Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rock Podcast with Vox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rock bondage. Rock bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rock Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rope partners. We've been practicing rope together for a few years now. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you from our home of Bangkok, Thailand. And today we're pleased to have an interview with Pyth01 and Guilty Smile, who are the founders of the Singapore rope studio, 0101 Studio. The DS couple studied at Anatomy Studio in London for four years, and when they moved to Singapore, decided to open up their own space for rope jams and practice. We're excited to have them as part of the Southeast Asian scene, and we thought we'd chat to them about the challenges and rewards of setting up a new studio, integrating into a rope community, attracting new people to rope, and the differences they've seen in Europe and Southeast Asia in terms of rope so far. Welcome, and thanks for joining us tonight, Guilty Smile and Python One. Uh, it's great to have you. So to get things started, how did the two of you first get interested in kink and then in rope? So actually, um, my story is actually pretty like sad. I think if it wasn't for, for Chloe, um, I don't think I would have found King Corbett. I'm actually really lucky to have a partner that's really open-minded and uh, someone who actually opened my eyes to the, the world of work. That's so I, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so ha, like how I found King and Rick was basically I was reading a lot of erotica online and from there I kind of made my way to FetLife and eventually I saw advertised that there was this event in London by a new studio opening that was uh, happy to have complete beginners. So I thought that this looked like a really friendly way to approach uh, getting into the kink scene. And I asked uh, Pai Wan if uh, we could go to one of the events. Yeah, and initially I was like, oh, if this is a hobby you'd like, you, you should go and see it. And then she told me it was bondage, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I definitely have to go. That's so cool. <laughs> and that's the that's the kind of the way we uh, ended up finding uh, rope, and that opened to the doors to many of the kinky stuff that we do today. Okay, and then you spent four years. So that was that Studio Anatomy. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Okay. And so then you spent four years studying with them um, in London. So can you tell us a bit um, about how that four years unfolded? Yeah, sure. So initially it began um, with us attending the Thursday beginners sessions. Um, there they teach um, things about like connection and rope flow and different knots that you can tie and that kind of like almost whetted our appetite to kind of see rope and what we could do and how far we could go. So we were like super lucky to have uh, Miss Bones and uh, Fred Hat as teachers and they're so knowledgeable and they helped us a lot uh, in our journey. We managed to uh, try and learn a lot from them. Um, yeah, they they were wonderful because not only did they teach us how to tie technically, but they also kind of showed us that rope is a way of communicating and building connections between people, and that it can come in different shapes and sizes, and, and that really appealed to us. But not just that, we we had the ability to go to some fantastic workshops that they ran like almost every month, and we were able to tie with some um, really inspirational people. You could, uh, so, you could really do worse as first teachers. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, so one of uh, one of my favorite workshops that we went to was um, actually by Pauline Massimo. And so she taught with uh, Maya Homerton as well. And one of the things that I really loved about that workshop was that it had a really strong uh, bottoming education perspective as well. Um, and that was super helpful for me because um, like rope, bo- rope bottoming is not always easy. And although like some of the pictures look very beautiful and <laughs> blissed out, like it is also very challenging. So it was really nice for me to hear how she was processing everything, how she was like learning and um, like going through the suspensions as well. And uh, for me, more recently, going attending a workshop with uh, Ricardo um, Wild Tires mm. and Fred Sabbath, and just seeing their like their raw connection through doing a more traditional Japanese uh, rope bondage. Yeah, the style was very different for us. Um, we hadn't really ventured into the Naka. Uh, type tying before so it was really like really amazing to see uh, how it was different and how it still had the like really intense emotional connection yeah I think uh, we came out of that workshop with like tears of joy and, mm. like, yeah, it was amazing <laughs> that's so nice yeah. And, yeah so that's that's it really so yeah. through various kind of so lots that, of different teachers yeah through different workshops and going to the sessions that anatomy did on Tuesdays and Thursdays Amazing. So there's already a bit of a rope scene in Singapore uh, and some of the people from there come to Bangkok and uh, tie within our community as well. Uh, what has inspired you guys to set up a new rope space there? And um, so pretty much when we got to Singapore, we saw that there were some rope events, but we were used to tying and going to events much more frequently than um, what was already available here. Yeah, and we're really greedy, so like, <laughs> more rope the better, really. So we, we kind of thought, what better way to do more rope and become part of the community than to run our own event? Yeah, a space that is open to everybody, is friendly, and that people can relax and do the type of rope that they really want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of... That's why we wanted to give that space an opportunity for people to tie. Yeah, so we're not like we're not trying to like change the scene here or um, like be like a disruptive. We just want to do more rope, and we've been lucky that people here seem to want to come and join us and yeah. do more rope as well. So if people enjoy our space, then we hope they come back again. <laughs> yeah. So how often were there events before, and how often are you holding events? Um, Good question. Um, so, in terms of uh, other people's events as well? Yeah, so in the community, uh, like what was the frequency of events? So, we found that um, there's several different um, studios within Singapore that probably have um, maybe an event per month. Yeah, once per month, or there was at least one event per month, uh, but not every single month. Um, and so, we wanted to run events. Uh, at the moment, we're running them uh, once every two weeks. Um, yeah, so that people can basically almost have an option to do rope almost every week now. And we try not to overlap with the other groups so that people mm. can go to all the different events. And from a practical perspective, what what is the space? Because I think we probably should describe it to people before. Like, is it a house or a flat or a warehouse? Or... Exactly. Okay. So um, at the moment, it's, it's a flat. Um, our personal flat. Yeah, so we run the rope jams where we live. So we kind of had in our mind that we wanted to at least have people over to do rope when we were looking for a new place to live uh, here. So we 
uh, looked at a lot of different places and we found somewhere where we thought we might be able to put suspension points in and we would have like a decent amount of floor space to be able to have plenty of people tying at the same time. So yeah, so we were we, quite lucky to find the place that we, yeah, we have. Super lucky. And um, we're, we're lucky enough to have uh, three uh, hard points that we can safely practice. Oh, wow. it's, well, it's lovely. What do you guys use for hard points? And so we've got uh, one uh, freestanding. Um, it's a Tetris frame. Yep. And mm -hmm. um, so that we had that one back in London. We shipped it over with us. And then we have uh, two points which are bolted into the ceiling. Um, so it's a, a it's a system with like four bolts. So exactly, yeah. and it's something that it's we got um, a contractor um, yeah. who had experience in putting hard points into uh, the ceilings. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely our kind of people choosing a flat with the um, intention of setting it up as a exactly, space as well. Exactly. Very nice. <laughs> okay, so um, we also organise events um, and indeed some rope jams, and they can be quite challenging. So we have found um, that though there are many pleasures, that uh, being an organiser, it's definitely not all rainbows and unicorns. So tell us, what have been um, the kind of challenging things um, in terms of setting up the studio and holding events? I think um, for me anyway is that we also have day jobs. Um, that we have to, to do and then we we don't well we're not able to run as uh, many jams as we would like I think in, in our minds uh, we would love to have like one or two um, jams workshops or practice sessions a week um, to really develop um, like well allow the community to develop and practice and push on where we're firm believers that to, to improve in rope you have to tie uh, very frequently and so for us to kind of like reach our ambitions of creating a better space for people to improve on we would like we'd love to hold more sessions but like it's just very difficult for us right now to do so yeah the time is quite a like contributing factor um so at the moment we're running events like once every two weeks so the problem of getting burnout is uh seems like it feels quite manageable for us at the moment um, when we're thinking of adding more events to our calendar, so that's something we're also going to be watching out for, uh, trying not to overcommit ourselves um, to a point where we can't like sustain uh, what we have. Yeah. And I suppose another thing that I suppose I'd like to share is I think the we were probably quite surprised by the sort of vetting that goes on during um, like the sort of, yeah the vetting that goes on um, within Singapore. It's something that we're not particularly familiar with. Uh, of course, because in, in London you can walk in off the street, whereas in Southeast Asia we're a lot more yeah. cagey. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, to kind of sort of draw a picture of London is that, like, within the sort of, like, local magazines, Anatomy Studio has been advertised as a, a, a great LGBTQ-friendly space that people should, yeah. like, go and, like, see. With the address publicly, like, publicly stated. Yeah, so coming to Singapore and finding out like how like the different um, processes of like betting people to come to spaces has been like, like I wouldn't say challenging but a very different perspective mm. uh, for us but to ensure we kind of adopt the, the kind of like culture and scene here and to, to maintain the respect through um, the Singapore scene 
um, where we're also um, going through uh, vetting processes ourselves. And how do you do vetting? What's your process? Um, so there are a, a couple of different ways that we do it. So either um, we meet people in person, and um, we always say we don't we don't really care if you're good at rope or how much rope you know. Um, we care if you're a nice person, or because we're inviting people into our home, so mm -hmm. we kind of we want them to become our friends, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. like it's the space is like it or it is our home, but we want to operate a space that's respectful, like a home. So we're looking for mm. people who will like be we'll fit into fit that, into that yeah. space. And I suppose as well, like we don't want like to bring any trouble within the space as well. So we, we ensure that they will, they don't have kind of like a secret agenda and they're coming through the passion of rope as opposed to like, um, in like taking advantage of, of, of the kink community that we already have. Yeah, so we've also talked with the other local community groups as well about uh, if they already know people. Um, and most of the time, if people have been in the scene for a few months, uh, they'll already be known uh, by our friends as well. Okay, and so what about the flip side? What's been the most rewarding things about setting up the studio? So I think for me, we've had um, a couple of new um, joiners to our space, um, and I found it absolutely fantastic when we've been like teaching some lessons, and they've kind of gone away and taken what they learned and created something that we just didn't expect. It's wonderful to see people creating their own connections, their own styles, and enjoying rope really. For me, I think the the most rewarding thing is uh, to. Uh, help build the sense of community. So we've moved to a new country, so it's enabled us like to make uh, some really good friends. And not only um, with the local people here, I feel like we're making friends uh, all around the world because people always are stopping into Singapore and they want to come mm. and they want to come to one of our rope jams. Yeah, and uh, I must admit, the rope community is probably one of the best community uh, communities we know. Mm. And being able to kind of like, like sort of take part in that is just our way of saying thank you for what we've had in London. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free, far from it actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. So speaking of London, how does rope in Singapore differ from what you guys experience in London? I think the main difference is kind of what we were what we were already discussing previously in london the scene is much more open um here in singapore uh things are a bit more private so um people want everyone to, that's coming to an event to be vetted or vouched for and that kind of helps people feel more secure um especially as well the um, um yeah, that's basically, I think that's probably the main difference that I would note. People are a bit more private, they respect their like, privacy and they protect their privacy. Yeah. And for me, it's like, like, 
I feel um, that the community um, has got a very kind of distinct style that is actually probably more sort of like Japanese like focus. Um, I love how like dedicated um, people here are to, to practice their types, like perfecting their TKs and getting the like basics right. Um, but I'm also kind of like enjoying showing kind of our different style, maybe dancey rope and connected rope as well. So mm. yeah, super. Um, in terms of sex positivity, some communities like to mix in sex with their rope, some like to keep the two separate. Where would you say the Singapore scene and your space in particular land in between those two? So our, our space is a, a sex positive, a LGBTQ positive, female positive, kink positive space. So we don't outright ban any of those things, including nudity. Um, we just ask people to be respectful of the space and to make sure that they uh, leave it as they found it, basically. Yeah, and it's all, it's all dependent on the type of event that is currently being run. If it's a jam, we quite like or we incentivize rope play. Um, of course, that's maybe a little bit ambiguous because play to everybody is different to everybody. But we want to make them feel comfortable that if they're tying with each other, that they can express themselves in the way they want to. Um, so that that's really important for us that people kind of go with the mood of the event. Hmm. I think um, from what I've seen so far, uh, the way people do repair is maybe slightly less uh, overtly sexual than what we might have seen uh, back in London. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that that would not be a, a surprise given some of the cultural influences. Speaking of which, uh, what is your mix between locals versus expats in the people that come to your event? So I would say there's definitely more uh, locals and that attend our events, which actually kind of surprised me at the beginning, um, especially because we felt that maybe the locals would consider expats teaching being like maybe a, a little bit like unsafe or like aggressive or for whatever reason, we thought that we'd probably be um, less desirable as teachers. Um, but um, I think we're also really fortunate to like, had visitors like come to like our events too. Um, for example, Chloe mm. uh, uh, recently had um, someone come to our event uh, from America. Yeah. So, so so what I found is that the the regular members are probably more locals, but we have more ex expats that uh, like drop in and out. So we had a uh, a visitor, Pegasus, from the US. She really wanted to teach uh, something about active bottoming, so I was really happy uh, to have her in the space and uh, tie her to enable her to teach that kind of uh, active bottoming lesson. Yeah, so although, uh, to go back to your question, we do have more like Singaporeans attending our events, um, I think we're quite unique in Singapore to, to kind of appeal to visitors um, to Singapore as well. well that's quite uh, lovely as it makes. Yeah, and I, th I think it's quite interesting. Uh, so I've come to work uh, in Singapore quite a lot, and it has a huge number of expats, so 30%, but it's a really small community of expats. And so when I've talked to people who are kinky there, which is not very many of the expats mm -hmm. that are prepared to admit it, they all work with each other. Mm -hmm. And so people are 
in my experience, quite tense about admitting, about joining the Singapore scene if they're an expat because they think they're going to be exposed and see their boss there. So that might be one reason. Um, I don't know if that chimes with your experience. I don't know what jobs you guys do, but in, in my experience of working in the business out there. Yeah, quite possibly. I think coming from London, we kind of adopted quite a relaxed like approach and to the way we speak about rope and that we don't we don't hide the fact that we do rope um it's it's more if if somebody asks us about it we we will happily tell them that but we won't kind of unconsensually or non-consensually like talk about rope to them uh, to advertise it Okay, and so what about the kinds of rope that you guys like to do? So you've you've mentioned quite a lot of different styles, sorry, quite a lot of different um, ways of doing rope. What are your kind of personal preferences uh, in rope? So one of one of the um, styles that we really like to do and that we do a lot is um, the so-called uh, connective rope. So it has a lot of like close body contact. It has a lot of body manipulation, and we can really kind of get close. It feels very comforting. Uh, to me to be in that kind of rope. Um, so that's that's one of my favourite styles to be tied in. Yeah, and for me it's it's driven a lot about my mood, my partner's mood. Um, I think we're lucky to have been given um, like many kind of teachings of different styles that we can use and adapt um, based on our moods. I think if I, if I had to pick out one, I'd, I'd probably name it like, like silly rope. Um, and it's it's basically a style that I think we learned from um, a trip um, or even kind of an event called Eurix. Um Yeah, and we had a, a really, really, really excellent teacher called Pillar, um, who kind of changed our work you know, from something that was quite mechanical to to something that's very creative, um, like so creative that you could like tire from like the sort of middle of rope and you shouldn't have to worry about it. The kind of main consensus is like drawing a connection and drawing a move with the partner that you're tying with. Yeah, I think the idea as well was it like rope can, can sometimes be this like intense uh, like uh, emotional connection between partners, but it can also be like joyful and silly and fun and like dancey and it can be so many different moods as well. Yeah. So that's something we really like to explore. Yeah, and uh, if you see me dancing at any workshops or anything like that, <laughs> it's probably because I'm having a good time in my rope. <laughs> okay, and so how how do your personal preference preferences in rope influence um, your teaching and what the studio does? Um, so definitely going back to that unstructured kind of like tying, um, we appreciate that you have to know the basics and the fundamentals before you can kind of sort of like break them, so to say. Um, but we always want to kind of convey that rope is more than just kind of like knots and frictions and you have to do it in this particular way to achieve this particular mm-hmm. um, sort of reaction. We kind of really want them to kind of like almost challenge themselves to think outside the box and understand who they're tying with and to get to like where they want to go. Yeah, because the important thing about me uh, for doing rope is that I want to be able to feel something, um, and like whether that's anything from the range that we described before, that's all of those things are wonderful. But it's kind of it's not even about the rope; it's about 
conveying those emotions uh, from from him to me. Yeah, and I think one other thing that I think is super important that um, we haven't kind of come across is that even though the the um, studio Anatomy Studio in London was all about connection and rope, it was super super um, sort of it advocates uh, consent like without kind of any sort of um, how would I say it like consent is is king basically um, so we always try to add an element of like consent and how to negotiate within our classes to ensure that anybody that comes to our classes have the right skill to negotiate a, like a scene or a tie um, with confidence and without feeling like um, they can't they don't have a voice mm. so we started running some like uh, special sessions at the start of our rope jams just to talk about topics that we really wanted to talk about um, so one of them um, was the active bottoming session that um, that I did before and uh, just yesterday we did a session about um, practicing saying no and it was like really in it was really a good practice I think and really interesting to see how uh, people responded and reacted to that yeah. and, and then like we've done this exercise several times and then even in the demonstration when like Chloe said no to myself I felt like I still felt something um, which shows that it's something that you, you have to continuously practice um, yeah. to, to develop in all right. So you you've talked you've talked about a bit about teaching. Do you both teach? And if so, do you have specialties? Does Guilty Smile teach some things, and then Python One teaches other things? How do you spread the load between yourselves? Yeah, hundred percent. We teach um, together, and um, mm. we like to give voice to both the the river and the bunny. Mm. So we normally teach as a tying pair. So he will tie me. And I will also describe like anything that I'm feeling in the tie and any of the things that I am like watching out for in the tie as well. So yeah. we don't we generally teach as a as a pair um, with him tying and me being tied. Okay. Um, and how do you get new people to attend your events? So so far. Um, we haven't had we haven't had that much problem in attracting new people. Um, we advertise the events on FetLife and on Instagram, and we generally have more people um, registering or trying to register to come to the event than we can uh, really hold in the space. So the barrier is less in attracting new people and more in having the time to vet them properly and making sure that. Um, we meet them first and things like that. So I think there's a lot of interest here um, for people that are new to kink and new to rope to start learning. Um, so there seems to be quite a few new people. Yeah. Um, I think also we're super lucky to have been accepted in the Slack community too. Um, so that's really helped us establish like connections and like, being accepted in a community um, where we can get to know people. So we Slack, like Slackline. So Slap is Singapore Learn and Play. So oh, Slap as an yeah. SLAG. It's another uh, kink organizing um, group in Singapore. Yeah. All right. Uh, if some of our listeners are interested in setting up a rope space themselves, either just for fun or potentially as a business, what kind of advice would you give them? 
I think first and foremost is like really love uh, what you do. So have a if you have a passion for rope, then you can definitely set up a rope space. Mm. I think it's it's super important that you like teach at the skill level that you're most comfortable with, mm. which really is it's it should be like quite a few levels below like your probably competency. Mm. And then another part would be to like like if you're gonna set up a rope studio is to like realize that there's a, always a future commitment to continue learning. That you're not just kind of um you're not just there with your current skills and you're not gonna improve any further and pass on your knowledge, but you actually have a commitment to the community to to progress and look after them. So I'd say as advice, knowledge, um, passion will like take you like far. Yeah, we'd love to um, learn from any of the, the teachers that we learned from before and like many more new teachers that are perhaps closer uh, in the Asia area as well. So we're very keen to take more lessons and improve ourselves. Lovely. Thank you so much for answering all of our questions, uh, Guilty Smile and Python 1. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. That's all from us today at The Rope Podcast. So don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, so iTunes, Stitcher and so on. And come find us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast, one word, no space. You can also find us easily at ropepodcast.com. We love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.